This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by ActorRated.com, the Internet's only place to find ratings and reviews for headshot photographers, acting classes, and more. See what other actors are talking about and recommending. To learn more, visit ActorRated.com. Hello and welcome to episode 63 of Inside Acting. I'm Trevor Elgott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast we interview actors, writers, directors, managers, producers, agents, anybody involved with the entertainment industry and we bring those interviews to you. And of course uh, we are just two dudes with a podcast and we started the podcast because we are looking for the answers, not because we have them all. So uh, we encourage you to get involved and get in touch and you can uh, find out all the ways to do that at our website which is Inside Acting Podcast. Com. And on this episode, we have the first of what we think are going to be a three three sections of an interview um, uh, spread out over the next few episodes with Emily Rose. Those of you who are gamers will recognize her voice from the Uncharted games, and uh, those of you who are TV watchers will recognize her face from, oh, a bunch of different things. So um, <laughs> it's a really fantastic interview, and uh, we're hoping to kind of keep it going over the next few episodes, so make sure you stick around for that. So hey dude. <laughs> hey buddy. <laughs> What's going on? What's up? Been a little uh, while since we've been here and I, I hate that we keep saying that every every episode. Yeah, it's but been like it's four episodes in a row where our, that's the uh, intro. <laughs> yeah, it, but it's coming to an end. We have a nice lineup uh, scheduled over the next few weeks and um that well, should, yeah, it that wasn't, should keep us pretty consistent for a while. It wasn't just the get I mean we're not hurting for guests. It was right, it right, was right. mostly our schedule like I, after gospel closed, I kind of needed to get out of town, so I, I left. I went uh, fishing with my dad for, like, uh, three days, which took me out of town for about six days. Yeah. Um, and I just yeah. kind of needed to get away and clear my head a little bit, which was nice. Um, you know, we've both been in the uh, middle of recouping our sort of financial losses from doing a play. When you do a 99 seat theater play, I feel like you're always come out of the other end, other side of that going like, oh, that's right. I was not, I wasn't making money when I was doing that. Um, so yeah, anyway, it's, uh, it's been, uh, really busy personally and then not very busy professionally. So it's been yeah. like the most frustrating sort of combination combination of things you know <laughs> well you uh, let's just jump right into that because i know that you said um that you had something to kind of share regarding the relative slow, like because i know i haven't gone out since i shot the bold and beautiful uh, a few weeks ago yeah like I, I haven't even gotten a call or anything so i and if you haven't either then it's good to hear because then i know it's kind of slow because you got something you wanted to share from yeah uh, so it, it just friend. it's kind of indicative of of what's going on right now and i i don't know that i don't want to be like the you know ain't it awful club that we've talked about before where i'm sitting yeah. here complaining about it but it might at least give some insight into like what's going on right now and i know there are people out there who are who are working and are going out on auditions so i'm not saying it's like completely dry or whatever the word is that you want to use but i got this awesome email from uh, my manager and she'd probably kill me if she found out that I was reading it on the podcast, but I just think it's, I'm, I mean, I, Do I it. take one for the team. Well, Do here's it. yeah, here's the thing. First of all, I'm always willing to be as open, uh, as possible with our listeners. And I, I, I want to share these, you know, bits of insight with them regardless. So, um, 
and the other thing about this email is that I, I could have been the one channel surfing when this occurred. So mm-hmm. uh, you'll understand what that means when I when I read it. So I, I got this email uh, from my manager and it says, the subject heading is uh, the best part. And it says, know what's wrong with my life? Question mark. No, know what's wrong with my life? Yeah. Know what's wrong with my life? Question mark. Know what's wrong with my life? <laughs> And I was like, what is this email? And then I opened it and I saw that she sent it to herself, meaning that it's actually BCC'd to a bunch of other people. And I'm assuming that what she did was send this to her client list, um, which she will do from time to time. But usually it's like a YouTube video or like some funny link that she found or something like that, which we get rarely, but she does, you know, uh, send those out from time to time. Uh, And this one was specifically talking about the business. Know what's wrong with my life? So the other night, I am channel surfing, and Laurie Metcalf is guest guest starring on Big Bang, John Goodman on Community, and Patricia Clarkson on Parks and Rec. Give me a fucking break. (laughs) Is that it? That's it. That's the whole email? That's the whole email. (laughs) That's the whole email. And I I opened it, I read it, I laughed my butt off, and then I was like, yeah, that's probably what's going on right now. You know, because we've talked about it on the podcast before, and I've heard it so many... um, times across the industry but you had you know the sort of disneyfication of broadway where where you know you had like all these huge disney uh produced musicals slash um you know uh <clears throat> the sort of les mis era the cameron mcintosh musicals you had and it just got, kept getting more and more and it became this sort of very capitalistic thing that was happening on on broadway and it still goes on you know today and then on the on the television side or the film side, you had, well, not only did you have like big name actors or boy band stars going to be in those Broadway musicals, but then you had like the feature film actors going and doing like either recurring roles on or starring roles on these different television series. The people who usually got those jobs moving down to sort of the recurring, the people who usually do the recurring jobs moving down to being guest stars, the guest stars to co-stars, the co-stars to like, right. under five, you it know, it's like down this, the chain. This, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and to have Lori Metcalf, John Goodman and Pat- Patricia Clarkson guest starring, mm-hmm. guest starring, on three huge primetime television, uh, in this case sitcoms, is like, are you are you kidding me? Like those are three those are three of the biggest stars in Hollywood, right? So why why are they doing guest star? I mean, is it that slow all across the industry, or is it just that their careers are kind of taking a, a subtle dip for the moment, or what, what's the deal there? It's sort of like a chicken and egg uh, question, uh, or or. I don't know if chicken and egg is the right analogy, but it's like there's no way of really knowing what the exact situation is unless you were talking to them or their managers or what what have you. Because, I mean, the thing is, is it, it, the people who run these shows, well, the people who run these shows could be friends with them. They could have called them in because they were the only person who could play that. Like, they saw that role and maybe it was written for them. And it was like, okay, like, we have to get John Goodman to come in and, like, play, you know, whatever. Yes. I didn't see the yeah. episode, so play whatever it is that he played on that episode um or yeah who knows maybe it's uh maybe it's that slow or maybe like you said their their sort of careers aren't like they're not really like in the spot i know laurie metcalf has been doing a lot of theater lately Mm -hmm. here in la Mm -hmm. john goodman even uh last last year the year before was in a uh cat on a hot tin roof at the the geffen i think was Um, he really wow yeah that's right played uh, played, uh, big daddy or whatever Huh. Um, so, you know, 
and the thing is, is like, okay, now uh, the pilots, uh, pilot season obviously ended months ago. Then you have those series start to shoot. Then you have usually a time uh, during the summer where things are really slow. Then in the fall, things usually pick up again as those um, those shows start to get on air and they're shooting more uh, for you know the the rest of that particular season. And you know there's a lot of guest star roles available on those TV shows. the The problem is is we have now like two, three weeks before we start moving into the holiday season, which is also one of the slowest times in mm-hmm. Hollywood. Yeah. So there's a really good chance that we're gonna not going to see a whole lot of auditioning going on between now and like January, February, which is hmm. <clears throat> insane yeah. to think about. Yeah. And so yeah. it makes you go, okay, what do I do at that time? And exactly. of course, then you revert back to sort of the stuff that we've been talking about the po- on the podcast for a really long time, which yeah. is just working on your own stuff, which I am. I've, I'm, I've, I'm, I have a meeting with a, a director and producer um, tonight. tonight. Yeah. Tonight to talk about um, the next uh, short film that I'll be doing. So it, it, the wheel goes round and round, my friend. <laughs> the wheel goes round and round. Cool. And every time it gets you a little bit further. How about you, cool. man? What have you been up to? I'm really excited about this new little thing I started. I decided to challenge myself, and I was going to wait until January 1st, but I decided not to. I decided to just kick into gear uh, on October 1st. So I, there's this like challenge that's been floating around the internet for a few years, and I decided to take it on of reading 52 books in 52 weeks. Oh, wow. And you know, I, I love reading. I've always read books, but I've always wanted to read more. And a book a week is a pretty, you know, it's a pretty good clip Yeah, that's to be, to be moving at. But I figure it's something that'll help my writing, it'll improve my brain, it'll help expand my horizons, and uh, it keeps me away from the kind of what, what I like to call the gray zone, which is like, we've all experienced that where you're on the internet and you're like checking your Twitter feed, then you check your email, then you check a few blogs, then you check your Twitter feed... Oh, and then you want to check this other blog, you know, and before you know it, like two hours have gone by right, and you're like, right, I haven't right. done anything. Like right. I was just like in this like weird distracted place right. of like consuming information, but nothing useful. And so what I found is with, when you're reading it, it exercises the kind of focus muscle. Like I, I noticed that when I started this on October 1st, and I, and I like to think of myself as a seasoned reader, you know, but, uh, I couldn't sit for more than like 20 minutes without being like, without my mind going to a million different places. So um, I've kind of, I'm on my fifth book now I'm on right on track. Wow. And, um, I have started to keep a little pad next to me and whenever a thought pops into my head while I'm reading, I'll just write it down in the pad real fast. You know, like just get it out get, of your head, get tires changed on car. Bam. It's out of my head. Get it out of your head. It's on right. there. Just like, you know, GTD stuff. Cause I know you're reading GTD. So, yeah. so it's like, it's that. And it's, it's been really pretty cool. And, um, um, I'm on schedule and I'm starting to panic about what I'm going to read next, even though there's like a bazillion books in the world that I could choose from. I'm starting Dude, to be like, congratulations. So uh, I just started, uh, Michael Pollan's in defense of food last night. So, um, yeah, it's kind of fun. That, that's really what been like wow. the big news. I've been really excited about it. And you know, what's crazy is I was reading a few people. <laughs> I was reading some blogs about it when I was in the gray zone. <laughs> when you were in the gray zone. Yeah. The gray zone. <laughs> and I was um, reading a few blogs from people who have done it. It's really not about the number of books. And really, it's not so much about the knowledge you're going to acquire. Because I do think books are kind of the ultimate vessel for knowledge. But um, it's really more about building the success habit. 
I mean, that's a big challenge, and it's the big success enough. Success habit. It's big enough that Ooh, it, that it like stretches that. you a little bit. You know, it's a big enough thing that it pushes you a little bit to change your lifestyle a little bit. But being on schedule with these books has been a really good feeling, and I think that's probably the best part about. It. I'm only you know five books in. I'm not even like a tenth of the way through. I was like, oh my god, that's so true. It just feels so good to be like working towards this huge thing and being on schedule with it and being able to check in. You know, every week, am I behind or am I ahead? It's kind of cool. It's kind of like, yeah, I feel like I could take that habit. It's like goal setting. Yeah. And you can, and you can take that habit and totally apply it to other things, but it's cool because this is such a big, long drawn out thing. The success habit, man. Yeah. I think you just baked my noodle a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, that's, that's not a habit of mine. That's <laughs> obviously, dude, you should do this with me. 52 books. Oh, that's so many books. I, I was having this conversation actually with some people at, at, uh, at work because, um, you know, uh, there's been some really great books come that have come out, and uh, I was gonna, I, I haven't started it yet, so I felt bad about making it my pick of the week this week, so I'm not going to. But uh, I'm gonna be starting this Friday, uh, the Steve Jobs biography. Yeah, um, yeah, we were just Walter, talking about Walter that Isaacson before we started recording, and it's a large tome. Is it? I mean, it's pretty thick. You know, as 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 I how guess many, biographies go. Like I don't, is it? I have no idea, but it's pretty it's pretty thick. I predict everybody <clears> and their mother is gonna be reading that book. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. It's gonna, it's, it's already. There's already all these things that are. It's, 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 you have to like avoid the internet right now. Almost like there's like Steve Jobs biography spoilers on the internet right now. Right. Yeah, it's kind of. Dude, the Kindle edition is seventeen bucks. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 digital versions are are not that bad. I I want it in hard copy just because I want to you know own it and and two point four pounds. Yeah. 656 pages. There you go. So 660 pages. That is a thorough telling. Yes. It's a, it's a large book. But anyway, we were, the, the conversation came up. We were all talking about like, you know, reading just in general. And people were, were talking about how they wish they read more. And I'm one of those people. And like, I'm like, oh, God, yeah. Because th- here's the thing about reading for me. Even when like, okay, when you were forced to quote unquote forced to read, when it was like a requirement, when you were in high school, college, whatever, yeah. like that was tough because you were like, oh, there's this thing that like they're making me read. And uh, it wasn't until like my theater classes where I was like, this is awesome. I'm actually enjoying reading this, you know? But <clears throat> the thing is, is like, there's like, speaking of muscles, like the success habit, there's also this, m- or success muscle. There's also this like reading muscle that like mm-hmm. is so underdeveloped in me. And like, even when I try and there's been times where I've gone through like these large stints of like when I read the uh, Hunger Games trilogy, yeah. I read through all the Harry Potter books, like, and I don't just read you know fiction. I'm just saying like those were some examples of like long stretches of time where I was reading. Even when I do that, this thing happens to me, and we were talking about this at work. This thing happens to me where, and it happens to a lot of people where I'll be reading and something like I can't keep other thoughts out of my mind. Mm-hmm they like invade my mind and so i'll get through an entire paragraph or page i have no idea or two pages and have no idea what i just read yeah that's why i've been busting out the little notepad because i was doing the same thing oh you just like yeah as soon as that that thought came in you know like crazy stuff like like research how much mercury is in an ounce of tuna and i'm like what Uh, i'm trying to read here (laughs) fine i'll write it down i write it down and then i go back but like you know it's like once you start trusting your brain can trust that you're going to come back to those thoughts it quiets down it lets you focus on what you're doing all right i'm gonna try it i'm gonna try i don't know if i'm gonna do 52 books you're gonna try two weeks but i'm gonna try writing down the uh the thoughts as i read because i do want to start the uh, action i'm gonna start the the steve jobs biography and i've got a couple of other things other like i have like a couple of other books pending mm-hmm. like based on your suggestion i did start the um think and grow rich a while ago because it was free 
yeah, on yeah. in the iBook store. Yeah. Um, so I downloaded it on my iPad. Like, so, all right. I'll, I'll, uh, I like that idea. I like the idea of just being able to get it out of my head. That's, that's good. Cool. That's good. Kick ass, man. Right, we'll try it. We'll try it. Sweet. So we've been talking for about 20 minutes here, and I know that this first chunk of uh, our interview with Emily Rose is awesome. Yeah. Um, so you want to just roll into this interview? Yeah, or? definitely. Uh, you guys, such a treat. Uh, not only, you know, I'm so glad we got a chance to finally sit down with her. She's extremely busy. You know, she, as she will say, she spent six months out of her year uh, filming in Nova Scotia for, for Haven, um, which is now going into its third season. Um, and then when she's back here, she's just, you know, very busy, um, both personally and professionally. So the fact that we got an, the opportunity to sit down with her and talk and chat with her and the fact that I got to catch up with, uh, with an old, or we both got to catch up with an old friend was, yeah. was really, really awesome. Um, and then the cherry on top is that the interview is probably one of my favorites of all oh, time because yeah. there's so much stuff. I think you said it best when we got in the car, there's so much stuff that she said that you can apply right now yeah so it's like the epitome of what uh we try to capture here on inside acting and and i hope you guys enjoy it yeah and 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 specifically this one is specifically for actors we've had a lot of writers on and you know directors and producer people like on recently Mm -hmm. but this is specifically about auditioning acting you know your lifestyle school education like all those things yeah yeah cool so enjoy Hey guys, welcome back. Um, Trevor and I are sitting here with uh, someone we're very excited to have on the podcast, uh, a good uh, friend of ours from uh, uh, the days of uh, the early ensemble and um, me going to, to UCLA with uh, with her, uh, Emily Rose. So uh, thanks Hello. for being on the podcast, Emily. Yes, my pleasure. So for those of you who didn't go to UCLA with Emily or <laughs> <laughs> get a chance to perform with her in the ensemble, um, you may uh, recognize her work on uh, shows like uh, Jericho, ER, Cold Case, um, Brothers and Sisters, and um, of course, the uh, the Uncharted series of video games, which are awesome, and uh, and most recently uh, Haven on the Sci Fi Channel, right? Good old Sci Fi. Good old Sci Fi. <laughs> Don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> <laughs> I like the show. I like the show. It's good. It's good. So, uh, M. Usually, what we do. I mean, this is kind of weird for for me personally to be asking you these questions, but we do like to start at the beginning, kind of like find out sort of where people got their start, what interested them in acting and kind of, um, you know, their story, um, in the, in the early stages of, of their career. So, um, I'll try to make you're it from a- Seattle, right? Yes. I'm from Seattle, Washington. I'm a Northwest girl. I grew up, you know, in a, in a, just a, in the suburbs, just great little upbringing, real sweet one. And, um, I never thought that I would be acting or an actor for a living. You know, I think, I looking back now, I, I wanted to do a lot of things, and I think that sort of is reflected in why I'm an actor because I wanted to be an astronaut, I wanted to be a musician, I wanted to be a horseback rider, I wanted to be all these things, and I think being an actor sort of allows you to be all those things. 
And uh, but I I grew up in Seattle. I did some theater, but I got disillusioned at a really early age because my sister was getting all the parts, and so I said, <laughs> "Screw this! I don't need rejection in my life. I'm just gonna um, be a horseback rider, and she can go do the theater thing." And then uh, it was nearing the end of high school. There was this showcase that came to town, and my mom uh, took me, my brother, and my sister to it, and we all had to read like a, a, a bit of commercial copy. And then they, you know, say, oh, we really think that your child has potential for the industry. And these are our classes. And you can take four weeks of industry classes, eight weeks of theatrical and eight weeks of commercial classes. And we agreed to let, you know, my younger brother and my sister do it. And then we decided and discovered, my mom discovered that um, I could actually work at the school she said, you know, Emily needs a job and she could be a front desk lady. Well, that job, I think, was pretty um, life changing for me because um, I ended up actually being an assistant teacher at this acting school. And I had to watch all of the seminars before I was able to teach and work with the kids. But I ended up uh, assisting these actors that were working in Seattle, uh, commercial theatrical industry classes, learning a lot of stuff at a very young age around 17. And soon when those teachers couldn't make it to school, they would ask me to cover the class. So I was teaching kids, uh, four to 10 year olds, uh, acting for the camera. So it was around that time that I sort of, when it came time to apply for colleges, it was, what do you want to study? My parents were really supportive. They said, well, you should study what you love to do. And I said, well, I love theater. I love it. You know, it's either that or become a veterinarian. And I don't want to hurt a horse. I'd like to ride them, but I don't want to hurt them. And I'm not very good at biology or math. So I looked for schools that um, had a good theater program, but I just was so terrified of getting into a big school. Like I could never have done what you guys did and go to UCLA. I would have freaked out too much. (laughs) Um, So I went to a smaller school. I studied theater there. The program was really tiny. As I was nearing my... um, end of my senior year at a small school called Vanguard University down in Orange County, I decided, okay, you know what? If I just leave now and go to, you know, LA and try to make it, I have a bad feeling about that. I don't think I'm going to have any chance at all um, because I don't feel like anybody recognizes my school and I don't feel like I'm as prepared as I need to be. And if I want to do theater for the rest of my life, I'd like to be able to teach it one day. I loved teaching and I love to do that at a collegiate level. So I said, I'm just going to try for grad school. I never thought I'd want to do grad school. So I applied for the ERTAs, which is University Repertory Theater Auditions. I went up to San Francisco, prepared a two contrasting monologues. I didn't do a Shakespeare like everybody else. I just did a, a funny and a, a comedic and dramatic. Applied and it's kind of like speed dating for grad schools. You have three minutes to do two, uh, do two contrasting monologues. And then you come back at 4.30 and you get a list of all the schools that are interested in you. I did not expect for really anybody to be interested in me because there were so many people there. And I came back at 4.30 and I had a full sheet of like all the places to go, like Penn State, Rutgers. Rutgers, UCLA, Cal Arts, all these places. And you go around from room to room and you have 15 minutes just to kind of speed date with them. And uh, one of the instructors at UCLA, April Shanahan, she was in the room and I asked her about, you know, UCLA. And she, I said, so can you tell me about your school? And she's like, well, well, UCLA, what more do you want to know? (laughs) 
<laughs> and I was like, yeah. uh, that sounds like April. Well, that sounds I, like April. I don't really know if I like your attitude, <laughs> uh, but April's really sweet. And she said, listen, I really, I like you. And if you're close by, I'd love for you to read for the head of our department, Mel Shapiro. So I came up and there was a, a guy there named Brian Kite, who's one of the directors in our program. Brian's great. He's still, I adore him. He's fantastic. He's the artistic director of uh, La, uh, La, La Mirada Playhouse now. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. great. And, um, and he said, you know, you should come. And Mel told me, he's like, well, we're not going to give you a condo on the beach. You either want to come here or you don't. We'd like to have you. And as I was flying, I think, to Chicago to check out a school there, I landed. And as I was landing, I, I remember, I think I was even praying. I was like, should I go somewhere else? Or I love L.A. I'd love to stay here. This is where it's at. And as I was landing, I got a phone call from Mel Shapiro saying I'd been accepted into the program. And I think only 12 people get accepted every year. That was mind-blowing to me. And I was super excited. I accepted and came up and studied for three years at UCLA, met you, met the wonderful people with the ensemble, which was another brave thing for me to do. I remember the first year I was at UCLA, I was so intimidated of everybody else and how cool everybody was and what a big university it was that I literally would take my laptop that I bought with a university loan for like $60 a month, my first Mac I ever had. And I'd sit in the sculpture garden and watch Felicity because <laughs> because I loved Carrie Russell and I love Felicity and it, it just made me feel show. like home. Everybody else would go down to the bars and I'd be sitting in <laughs> the sculpture garden watching Felicity. Such um, a good show. Yeah. Um, so that's I, st- the studying part of it. Yeah. I want and I, and I, I definitely wanted to ask you about that because we have a lot, this has been a conversation that's come up multiple times on the podcast and because you went that route, I wanted to get your opinion or uh, sort of viewpoint on the whole thing because we have people asking us like, should I go to school? Should I go to grad school? Should I just come out and move out to LA or New York and just dive right in? And we've had um, I don't want to say debates, but like such various varying opinions on this on this subject. Uh, people saying, you know, just come straight out to LA because your youth is such a asset, or mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> if you don't feel ready, you should go get more training. And I just wanted to know, since you made those choices, you decided to uh, not only study theater in undergrad, but then continue your education in grad school. I, I'm curious um, to know what was it that ma- that that brought you to those decisions? Well, I I definitely think there is something to be said about the whole youth thing. Of course, I I look at some people that I really admire their acting work and they started really young here and just pounded the pavement for a really long time. Um, That being said, I was recruited from Seattle to come down with a a top agent down in L.A., um, a top agent, kids agent in LA. And she wanted me to come down to LA just straight out of high school and do pilot season. And because I was young and I didn't feel the best about that. I think I could have done that, but I kind of feel like it's, what's that saying? Six dozen eggs six in a basket. <laughs> six and one, half dozen the other. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> because uh, what I I come down here when I'm young and maybe somebody finds interest in me and maybe it works out and I just you know <laughs> go on on that and learn as I go along and that could have very well happened, um, but I I personally felt like I wanted more training I wanted something when I looked at the length of my life and what I wanted to be doing for the rest of my life I fe- I personally felt like getting the education 
open doors for me in other areas so that if this one didn't work out, this aspect of my dream didn't work out to actually be doing it, that I still was doing something that I loved in another area. Um, which was teaching for you, which was teaching for me. Um, however, or even just doing films or, you know, modeling or whatever, but you know, different aspects of it. I think if you want to be in acting, you should love all aspects of it. Like you guys, like, you know, the documentary side and the, you know, the voice side and all those things. Um, but that being said, I went to grad school. Be- <laughs> I mean, it might have been kind of cocky of myself, but I thought I'm still going to look young when I get out of it. Like I was like, I, I'll have a young look. So I don't, I don't feel like I'm losing that when mm-hmm. I get out of grad school. So I felt safe. I was like, I'm going to do it right now. I'm not going to you know, allow kids or a marriage or anything to get interrupt in you know, that time of studying. I'm just going to go and get it done. So you know, I was like, seven years, let's knock it out, hmm. you know? Um, because I felt like I'd still have my youth as an asset when I got out. But I definitely think there's something to be said. I think, you know, if you're going to go to grad school, cool. But if you don't go to grad school, you still are going to be schooling yourself just as much. And I remember somebody in school told me, he goes, well, I just figured it was either three years of condensed study or like seven to 10 years of sporadic classes here and there that Mm -hmm. would be, you know, equaling my degree. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's scary because, you know, you're taking out loans. It's a big risk. Um, But I just felt like it provided me other opportunities if I, if I, didn't. Um, I think irregardless of what you do, you shouldn't not be educating yourself and being in class because what it did for me was it allowed me to see how talented everyone else was. It inspired me. It made me want to be better. It didn't make me rely on myself, just like being in a show. But, you know, I saw people working every day and I was like, oh my gosh, they are so talented. Oh, that was really interesting. That was risky. Oh, that's what that means. I had no clue about that. You know, it was just a really good time to be safe and to learn the things that, you know, sometimes if you're here in LA, it's a lot harder if you're learning them the hard way, you know? Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. No, absolutely. And and then I kind of want to I almost want to play devil's advocate a little bit and, and, and ask you, because I definitely feel that there were a lot of things that the, that a college, and I I only did undergrad, but that a college education didn't prepare me for. Mm -hmm. So when like sort of, I don't want to say looking back, but I mean, you know, when you left grad school and you sort of entered into the, um, pounding the pavement part mm-hmm. of your of your career yeah what what did you feel like you learned that you were like oh my i was totally unprepared for this well um you know those are kind of some bigger life lesson things i think that i learned he, the the thing is is i i'm not gonna lie i won the lotto when i went to ucla like i just did i the way that it the way that people say you're supposed to like get a job, like you go to school and you study what you learn and then you get out of school and then you get hired and that's just how you lead life. <laughs> that works that, in every profession that, except for acting. <laughs> that never happens. It happened for me. Yeah. Like it's the way it's not supposed to happen. It happened for me. And I think the key things in that I didn't realize at the time that I was quote unquote networking. I hate calling it that, but I didn't realize at the time that I was connecting myself with other people or that they would believe in me and that in turn would benefit my life. Um, but you know, I think 
you know, looking back, of course, on your, on your schooling, there's things that you lack, but there's also, you will never know the benefit of what it was to go to school in Los Angeles, unless you went to school, you know, outside of Los Angeles or what those connections sort of give you. I was so excited to come to grad school and be like, oh, because I didn't choose to go to Yale or Rutgers, I don't have to deal with a move across the country and getting settled and meeting people and learning new, you know, places and getting my bearings so that I feel emotionally sound to go into a new situation. I already had my apartment. I already knew where the streets were. I already knew traffic. I already knew those things about the city because I had lived here for a while. Um, And I was really fortunate because I asked and looked for mentorship and I looked for somebody that I could kind of talk with, not to use them in any way, but to sit and say, you've gone before me in this industry. What do you think of this? And that person in my life was Gordon Hunt, who was my audition teacher. And um, he's the one that actually continued for me to set up appointments. Now, granted, I was able to go into that room and carry the appointment on with grace and style and, you know, continue that relationship. But he helped those doors open, you know, for me personally. So the things that I learned, um, you know, I'd like to say like, well, they didn't quite prepare me for a film and television audition. But to be honest with you, Gordon did prepare me for that. He, hmm. We had an audition class in the graduate program and the way he held auditions and things for us was really telling. And then later the ability to go sit in an audition room with him, because I asked him to mentor me, I learned so much about auditioning. I watched people and I was like, oh, that is okay to do. I shouldn't be afraid of that. Oh, that's not okay to do. Do not do that. (laughs) You know, I learned because I tried to take my education to the next place. Um, So I think the things I didn't learn and I didn't factor in was that you come to LA to work somewhere else. <laughs> like you work here, you work here for, for guest spots and co-stars and that's great. And life is great. That's the best it'll ever be. But if you ever land a series or anything because of the economy right now, you are not working in LA. And mm-hmm. if you do, you're even more lucky than the average working actor because you are going to have to move and leave and film somewhere else in the country for probably three months or more. Hmm. And how are you going to maintain your life? And how are you going to um, hold your person together without the community and the support that you have that you take for granted on a daily basis hmm. when it's you're almost, working 16 hours a day? <laughs> it's almost like the uh, the coming to L.A. Uh, problem in reverse. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Trev and I talk about that a lot. Uh, the sort of moving aspect because we have two sides of the coin here. I went to UCLA and just stayed here and then he came from, you know, across the country. Mm-hmm. And so we, we had that conversation a lot and we get questions about it all the time. And we have people who listen to the podcast who are like, because of you, I'm moving out there. You know, I'm just getting myself, you know, situated mm-hmm. and I'm moving out there in two years or when I graduate from high school or mm-hmm. when I graduate from college or, or whatever. So um, thank you for sort of bringing up that that aspect that that brought up something really interesting for me because people who go to Yale or Harvard or Juilliard and they get these amazing degrees in theater 
then they come to LA and my experience has been that nobody really cares where you went to school, mm-hmm. but yeah. you went to UCLA and you got a So like everybody got a great education and UCLA is obviously a great education, mm-hmm. but what you have at UCLA or any city that you want to work in is a network of people who are kind of intertwined with the industry who can yeah. kind of give you an in there. Yeah. Or just the safety net of you, you cannot underestimate the benefit of emotional well being when you're trying to do an emotional job. Hmm. You know, if the rest of your person is not in place, if you're not taking care of yourself in other areas to be this vessel by which you are portraying someone else, um, it's a dangerous situation. You know, if you're strapped for cash, you need the money, you walk into that audition room and you're like, I have to get this job that seeps out. And if you're not rechanneling that into the character some way. It's so apparent in the room. And so you need to get your mental and your personal well-being in place, you know, Mm. um, in order to feel as a confident whole person when you walk in that room. Not only for the audition, but for when you're portraying other characters down the line and they're dysfunctional and messed up and you're living in that for 16 hours a day, you have to be able to allow that not to affect your person. Mm-hmm. And people say like, oh, well, that's so method. And they just let that seep into their life. And, and I was always like, yeah, why would you do that? Da, 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 da. Well, I've been portraying this character for three seasons now. And I, in some ways, find myself reacting like her because I'm living like her 16 hours a day. You know, I'm like at a concert the other day at a U2 concert. And these people muddy were walking in front of me. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, you get behind me. You are not cutting in front of the line and you are going to stay behind. I don't care if you want to go see your friends. You need to go around. I'm like, Emily would never have done that. (laughs) Audrey Parker would do that. And I was like, whoa there. (laughs) I don't know where this confidence has come from. I'm not quite sure. I need to tone that down, you know? So that's a little rabbit trail, but it does. You need to have that emotional well-being in place in order to mm-hmm. know who you are as a person. What are some things for you that have been key for, for keeping your emotional kind of self separate and stable from these 16 um, hour days? Well, I, um, I probably, I have a really, I have a really great group of friends that I cling to that, um, view life the same way I do and that, um, are really great support, like a really good friends with a family here in Los Angeles. They have kids that keeps you grounded. Not everything's about you. I find that Los Angeles, while amazing and offering a lot of opportunity, it's such a fine line because everybody comes here, not everybody, but a lot of people come here as actors and our business is to promote ourselves. And so when do we stop promoting ourselves, and when do we start serving other people and knowing that that is also a benefit to ourself, but like that it's about more than just us, you know, it's tricky because our business is ourself. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's tough line between like narcissism and your business and just trying to do what you can for your business. So I find to me that like just doing things that are not actory help me just kind of be, you know, a normal person. Um, you know, exercise, obviously as much as I hate it, um, exercise helps having a puppy dog in my little trailer so that when I come back and I'm totally stressed, he's like uber excited. Like I never understood why actresses had Uggs and puppy dogs. I get it now. Okay. (laughs) Just comfort on all, on all levels. I was like, I will not become that girl. I have become that girl. Um, 
Yeah. And I, I mean, I journal regularly and I'm kind of a very spiritual person. I go to church regularly and things like that. So I think those things kind of set me in a different headspace when things get mm-hmm. a little panicky for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily, I've had to learn now, granted I've gotten, a t- I've had a ton of anxiety as a result of my job and I've just had to learn how to deal with that, you know? Um, but those are some of the things I do. Cool. And I, I just don't think my friends let me get too big for my britches at all. They're making fun of it constantly. So. <laughs> oh, movie star Emily. Yeah, oh. exactly. My grandpa the other day was just like, I knew you before you were a celebrity. <laughs> grandpa, I'm not a cool. celebrity. And yes, you did. You changed my diapers. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> That's a good group of friends and a good grandpa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I've had this conversation with you before, but I, I really want you to share it with um, our listeners. Um, we talked about the showcase at the end of like your UCLA tenure and you sort of going having the amazing opportunity to like basically hand pick your team that you put together mm-hmm. and i remember talking to you about this whole thing and talking to you about you know what was important to you and the conversations that occurred um, during that time. So I just want you to kind of share your perspective on like putting together like your representation mm-hmm. and sort of what it meant to you um, professionally and personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how that kind of like jump started your career post uh, graduation. In, in addition to the, the sort of Gordon Hunt connection, yeah. which yeah. I know ultimately led to a lot of jobs, including the Uncharted thing, which we can, you know, can right. obviously talk about. Right. But, I, you know, we have a lot, we get a lot of questions about people asking about representation. Should I have an agent and a manager? Should I just have an agent? Yeah. You know, wh- what does that, you know, what does that all mean? So you yeah. just talk about it from your point of view, especially right. as somebody who's worked as much as you have. Right. Um, how yeah. that came about. Well, if you remember something, too, that I don't say, tell me. Because the fact that you remember those conversations is a little scary and exciting. Oh, and sorry. scary. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, uh, again, at the end of the showcase, uh, or at the end of the three years, we have a showcase. And we got to have ours at the Geffen Playhouse for the first time, which was really exciting for us because we're linked to the Geffen Playhouse. So, yet we hadn't had a chance to do something there. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I remember the other thing that I wanted to put in place, which I think was just God's timing, honestly, with you guys, was um, I was thought to myself, you know what, if people come to the showcase and I do a little three-minute scene, they might want to see more from me and I don't have any reel or any tape or anything, Mm -hmm. so I should probably be in a play in town somewhere in case Mm -hmm. they want to come see me do something more. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I wasn't looking for it. Um, I talked with Tom and I knew you and I knew the ensemble and how gung-ho they were about getting everybody to come see their shows. And I had heard about Wounded and um, I'd heard about the war cycle. And um, when I had the opportunity to audition for that, I thought, you know, this this is great. This is great to be leaving school and to go do a first play in town. You know, this is fantastic. I think I was doing headshot photography on the side to earn money in between, as well as yeah. I was a personal assistant. My first, my first headshots, actually, <laughs> were taken by Emily. I was learning at that time, but they helped a lot of people, and they helped me, so it was good for all parties involved. I was also a personal assistant for a psychologist at the time and going to grad school and um, teaching. I think I was doing some teaching acting on the weekends. So I had all my odd jobs um, 
But I was really excited when I got the opportunity to do this play. Not only is it like such a precious moment in time in my life, but it was such a great thing collaboratively um, just to be working and to be like, you know what, regardless of the showcase, I have something else to think about. I have this play that I'm really excited about and I'm excited to put everything into that. So it was another creative outlet for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that worked to my advantage. Um, I was speaking with Gordon through our audition class. Um, I was asking him a lot of questions, which I think were exciting to him. I was like, what about our finances? Can you bring in a business manager? What about voice? Mm -hmm. What about uh, voice auditioning? And he's like, well, I think that I could bring in some stuff about voice auditioning. (laughs) And so, you know, we did voice auditioning. A lot of these things in my class were things that I was like asking for, you know, they weren't on the syllabus. I said, you know, I'd like to do this. I'd like to do more cold auditions. I'd like to, you know, look at shots. I'd like to do these things. This is what I think we need to know. Um, And I don't know if that was my high school training from teaching industry classes or what that was. But um, so he got our postcards and he was like, you know, my manager, Connie, managed his daughter, Helen Hunt, at the um, back in the day. And he circled my face and he sent it into her and said, hey, I think you should come check this one out. And I don't even know if she had been invited to the showcase by us, but she came and she watched our showcase. She liked me, expressed interest in me. I, and I said, hey, I'm in this play. You should come see this play. So... She came and saw the play and really her and her partner, Vera, really, really liked me. And um, that play kind of showed that I was able to do more than just kind of be the blonde girl. And um, we I took meetings with her and another two managers and I clicked with the other managers. And to be honest, like sometimes I wonder even if I click with Connie, but she I would go to uh, meetings as a result of the showcase with casting directors at like CBS or ABC because they came to the showcase and they were like, let's do a general. And when I said to somebody, I said, she said, well, who's your management right now? And I said, well, I'm considering Connie Tavel and I'm considering so-and-so. And she was like, if Connie Tavel wants you, take her and run, you know? And I was like, oh, if she's respected this much by the industry, I should just probably take that as a, as a yes. So Connie continued to set up meetings with Gersh, UTA, an agency called Domain that I'm with. Um, I think there was one other one. And Gersh and or Gersh couldn't come to the play. UTA was able to come to the play. Uh, and Gabrielle from Domain came to the play with her mom. And um, UTA and Gersh were all like, we like you. We think you're great, but you're not SAG. So, you know call us back when you are. Mm-hmm. And Gabrielle was like, uh, I don't care if you're not SAG, we're going to throw you in rooms and not tell anybody. And someone will Taft Hartley you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think between, I think it was important to me. I went the manager route first. And this is again, just what worked for me. I went the manager route first. They were able to open doors with odd, with odd, um, auditions agencies that they liked working with and had a working relationship with. And so that made life easier for the both of them. I wasn't joining two unknown parties. And um, and sure enough, Gab was right. I went and auditioned. And whether that was Connie also calling a few people and being like calling in old favors and being like, hey, I have this girl that I think's great and she needs her SAG card. Help, help a sister out. 
either way, it worked for everybody. And I ended up getting Taft Heart lead. My first job was Smith across from Simon Baker. I got flown to Las Vegas. I remember the first time I got a call sheet slid underneath my hotel door. I was working with um, another uh, Virginia Madsen, Ray Liotta. Uh, you know, it wasn't on the air very long, but for me, I was just like, oh, I was so excited. And I still remember this to that day going, what is happening with my life? All right, guys, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed part one of our chat with Emily Rose. Um, as we said right before, it's um, probably one of our, it's probably one of my top three, if not, like, I'm going to be honest, if it's, not, if, it's not, if it's not one of my top ones, like the actual actual number one interview that we've done of all nice. 63 episodes. Yeah, it's uh, there's more noodle baking to come. Oh, yeah, it gets um, better. It gets better as it goes on, um, like a fine wine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the longer it goes on, the better it gets, so um, the, the next parts will be uh, also quite, quite epic. And we've got some more really awesome guests lined up, some, some surprises, um, uh, some, some, some people that you might not, uh, think about. Um, and we might sort of cut, you know, put those in, uh, in between, um, uh, Emily's, uh, uh, various interview parts. Um, but while we're on the subject, um, if you have a PlayStation three, uh, uncharted three does come out on November 1st, uh, Tuesday, November 1st. Um, so, uh, go on and, and, you know, check that out. If you haven't checked out the uncharted series at all, you should, it's, it, I'm a huge gamer, and it's got to be one of my absolute favorite, you know, gaming uh, franchises out there right now. Yeah, it's, you were saying it got rated a ten out of ten on IGN. Uh, okay, the guys over at IGN are like, like really stingy with their I, reviews. IGN is what inter- internet gaming. What is news? It? I don't know what IGN, IGN stands news, for. Something like that. IGN.com is the website. If you guys have never been there, because they, well, they don't just do gaming reviews, they also do like media reviews. They do oh, okay. movies and other things as well. So I don't know what IGN stands for. Uh, sponsor us, guys, and we'll actually figure it out. Uh, <laughs> Subtle, man. Subtle. <laughs> why, why not? They're not listening to this. Um, neither is anybody else. Uh, they, <laughs> they, uh, IGN are like super stingy with their reviews, right? If you, if you get a 10 out of 10, it means your game is flawless because if they can find any fault, they will, they will dock you in their rating. And Uncharted 3 got a 10 out of 10 and they called it a masterpiece. So like, Epic, epic, epicness all around. Um, That's cool. It's just a, such a great game. But you know, we we spent you know very very little time talking about it, and all this time talking about like just being an actor and um, keeping your head straight. In addition to like you know later on in the interview, she talks about going into the audition room and and the stuff that she does to get prepared. So actors, huge treat for you guys, and I hope you uh, are are digging it the, uh, so far. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, just because this popped into my head right now, I want to bring this up. Um, we have a few people that have not yet responded to our call for information uh, for your patron page. Oh, yeah. We've set up that patron page. We're, we're in the process of getting it more prominently linked to from the, the main website. Um, but those of you who donate to the podcast on a regular basis, uh, you are a patron. And we want to make sure we have a photo and a little blurb and, and links to any uh, relevant websites uh, to throw up on that page for you as kind of a thank you um, to show that uh, you are part of the community that uh, actively supports this podcast on an ongoing basis. So thanks for that. Wouldn't exist without you. Send us your stuff. <laughs> uh, and if you haven't gotten an email from us, um, 
Send us your stuff anyway. Sorry if we somehow forgot you, if it slipped through the cracks or whatever. Maybe it's in your spam folder, but get in touch with us and uh, and let us know uh, what we can be putting up there for you. Absolutely. So I uh, just want to get it off my my brain real fast. Beautiful. Um, you're Write it down the, on the notepad. Y- yeah, really. Exactly. <laughs> or say it into the microphone. Your uh, your pick of the week. Uh, well, I I my, mine changed like I know an hour over, ago. over lunch. We over lunch. Were at lunch. Trevor and, we were and I like, were sitting at lunch, and he hadn't heard about this website. That's my pick of the week, and I was like, "Oh my gosh! If you haven't heard of it, that means there must be <laughs> other people who haven't heard of it. It has to be my pick of the week." And I got really excited. Uh, so I'll save what was going to be my pick of the week for later. But if you guys haven't heard of this website, it's amazing. It's so silly and so simple, but it's um it's called Woot dot com w o o t dot com, and I think Trevor put it the best it's I'm sort going of there like right now, it's sort of way. like a living social or groupon meets overstock.com basically they do one product per day <clears throat> just one product and it's there's like a super good deal on that one product today's product is a fashion mate sewing machine yeah, singer, for $150 singer singer fashion mate sewing machine 150 bucks um but they have uh hd televisions uh uh uh, uh, uh computers um what like just random stuff christmas cards last last christmas uh just like the most random items ever on this website and then they also have this uh sort of um sub website called vootshirt.com where they have one shirt that you can get a deal on um and i think it's uh i think it's yeah shirt.woot.com yeah um yeah yeah, they they even have oh they have home.woot.com kids and you're saying a couple like uh, a couple what do you you call them memes a couple like kind of trends came out of this this yeah yeah internet memes came out of like the like uh shirt.woot.com like the three wolf moon shirt came out of this um they're just like really silly. anyway you can follow them on twitter i think they're just at woot um so i do um and there's uh, other ways of like getting informed on what the daily deal is but every once in a while i just go to this website and it's like boom super awesome hd tv for like 300 bucks <laughs> love it okay cool i'll take one i'll take one yeah I'll take five <clears throat> one time they had a, like a laptop on there for like 150 dollars um, and it was a uh, some Asus little PC netbook thing. Yeah. But like, if man, if you like, I was thinking about it. Wow, if you don't have a computer, like this would be amazing. One hundred fifty bucks, and you have like you know internet access. Yeah. You know, yeah. like there are people out there who who just like simply can't afford the technology. They can't afford a new computer. They can't afford like an iPad or anything like that. I was like, that's perfect. Yeah. One hundred fifty bucks. You get a little netbook. You can go online. You can get your emailing done. All that stuff. Um, so anyway, woot.com. Woot. <laughs> awesome dude what's your pick of the week my friend uh, i saw this movie a few weeks ago um and was gonna make it my pick of the week but something else came up and stole its place um and i've been waiting to talk about it on the podcast because maybe you've seen it exit through the gift shop i have not i still have not um I, about I, the uh graffiti artist it's right? about a graffiti artist and if you if you look at like the little synopsis on netflix it's on netflix instant for those of you that, that are netflix subscribers um it, it doesn't look all that interesting it's like it's like this filmmaker set out to make a film about a uh, like a a graffiti artist. Instead, he got embroiled in the world, and I'm just like, how interesting could that be? Yeah, honestly, people spray painting stuff on walls <laughs> and not getting caught by the cops. It goes. It, it's it takes such an interesting twist, and at the end, you're left with these questions, and you're like, oh my god! Like you're floored by what happens. And since it's a documentary, it's real. And as artists, it is absolutely required viewing, like essential viewing. I have heard the, this film recommended from so many people. Oh, you were like, it, you're you're like one of a, a list of people that have that have uh, recommended it. So I'm so yeah. 
I'm, 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 I have to watch it. it it's, it's fantastic. And, and, and it really does a good job of, of posing the question, what is art? And also answering it. But in this really kind of ambiguous way. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Every, if you are an artist of any kind, you need to see this movie. Okay. Done. Yeah. Done. I'm going to watch yeah. it. Just because it's, it's provoking more than anything else. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I had it. a whole mix of emotions watching it. I was like angry and in awe and upset and inspired and like, oh, it's really cool. So exit to the gift shop. There it is. Uh, that about does it for episode 63 then. Yes, sir. It? Cool. Yes, sir. We are on... Twitter. Yes, we're. Oh, you know what? We need to. We know what we need to pronounce. <laughs> Hold on a second. Um, we're now on Stitcher. Oh, that's uh, right. We got to plug uh, our Stitcher. Yeah, we had a listener write in. I think I believe his name is Alex. He wrote in and said, "I love the podcast, um, but I listen to all my podcasts on Stitcher." Do you guys know what Stitcher is? And we were like, um, sure. I'll look up Stitcher real fast. <laughs> Google Stitcher. So go, we, go, we go, looked go, it go. up and it's this really cool um, like network for podcasts. And they have an iPad app and an iPhone app. And you can basically just log on and, and find the podcasts that are listed with them. You have an Android app as well. Yeah, an Android app as well. So for those of you with Android devices. And you can just like basically stream podcasts from this app. And um, it looks pretty cool. It's like a hub of yeah. of, of podcasts. That's oh, great. I, I as soon as we were on there, um, I downloaded it, and it's it's amazing because it's a it, slick app. It's yeah. you just tell it what your favorite podcasts are. It basically subscribes you automatically to those podcasts, and then you have, like you said, like this hub of all of your favorite podcasts. Yeah. So you can listen to them all. Uh, right there, and it and it sort of updates you when there's new episodes, and it sends you push notifications, give you a little pop up saying like you know this episode just came out. Um, it's great. I really I I I'm using it now. You know, with cool. uh, not only our podcast but a couple of the other ones I listen to. So uh, if you listen to podcasts a lot, um, you should definitely check that out. And we're on it now, so check yeah. us out on on Stitcher. And thank you, Alex, for the heads up on that. Yeah. Um, so, so, oh, we're gonna have a link to that on our website with a graphic as well that's gonna live there permanently. So, cool. those of you who are looking can just click on the graphic and get taken straight to our page. Yeah. On Stitcher. Um, and while you're there, leave a comment. That's right. On uh, InsideActingPodcast.com. <laughs> uh, or you can tweet at us. We're at Twitter.com slash InsideActing. Or our personal accounts. I'm Twitter.com slash DigitalActor. And I'm Twitter.com slash Trevor Algott. You can find us on Facebook. Did you say that? Nope. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash inside acting. And uh, gosh, we're also on uh, Actor Rated. Um, you can just do a search for us there. And you can also find us on iTunes. Hop onto iTunes, type in a search for inside acting, and uh, it'd be great if you could leave us a review. We, we love those, and it definitely helps uh, strengthen the, uh, the, the um, experience of uh, the podcast for for everybody yeah both both uh, itunes and actuated allow you to leave reviews um if you have questions or you want to get your voice on the podcast you can always send us an email at inside acting podcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail uh we're at 213 actors that's 213-222-8677 um I, we haven't said this in a while too but we we invite uh criticism if you guys have things about the podcast that you um, maybe don't like or that you want to have more of or less of or whatever like we, we don't shy away from that we want to make this an awesome podcast and um, we want to hear your thoughts on uh, what we're doing wrong as much as what we're doing right yeah absolutely so, um, so we've gotten a lot of really kind things from listeners lately but um, we also want to know how we can make this better so uh, don't be shy send us an email and give us a leave us a voicemail send us tweets whatever like we don't we don't shy away from that we want to be 
awesome and transparent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. uh, and yeah, help us improve uh, our product because we do it, you know, for you guys as yeah. well. So sweet. All right. For episode 63, that does it. I am Trevor Elgott. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, put it in the notepad. <laughs>